You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Good morning, folks, or whatever time of day you're listening to this. It's morning as I'm recording this intro, so good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Before we get started into this bonus episode, I want to give a little bit more context than what we gave in the actual conversation itself. So if you're not familiar, Devon Blue's been on the show multiple times. You can go back and listen to his first episode where he really explains himself and what he does. Then he came on again for more just a general conversation, which was really, really enjoyable. And now we are working together to try to push his musical ventures forward. The group is called Boy Indigo. I really, really like the music and the visuals that go along with it. If you're familiar with Devon's work, then you'll know it's legit. It's super legit. So anyway, that is the basis of this conversation. And we get into some of that and we talk about some of the things kind of at a high level. We don't get into the nitty gritty exactly of what we're going to try to do together. So yeah, that's that. And if you listen to the episode that dropped earlier this week, you may have heard in the intro that there is a text number set up where you can text me directly at 503-751-8577. That's 503-751-8577. And what that number is, is it's a place you can connect directly to me. Everything comes right to me and everything that comes out of there will be directly from my thumbs. So what's going on over there is partially tied to this project, partially tied to documenting the things we are going to try to do to push the Boy Indigo project forward, and partially it's a place for random non-gear content. I get hit up all the time about things I say in passing on the show, talking about barbecue, talking about digital marketing, talking about business, talking about whatever, and I don't really have a great channel for putting that kind of content out there or sharing those tools and sharing those things. So you can kind of consider that just a direct line to me, and the things that will come out of there are sort of just random. You never know what it might be, but I'll always try to make it useful or at least entertaining and something I think that folks should check out. There's been a ton of people that signed up already. I'm really surprised, actually. I'm really surprised how many people uh, texted into that number already. So, yeah, we're we're going to be 100 strong over there here pretty soon. So 503-751-8577, again, is the number. It'll be in the show notes, so you can check for that later. You don't have to crash your car trying to put that into your phone. Please don't. So... Yeah, without further ado, let's get into this show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff and other things sometimes, too. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have my friend, Devon Whitaker, returning, one of my favorite people to talk to and to podcast with and to watch stuff that he makes. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's pretty good, man. How are you doing this morning? I'm I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I, I got some leftover pizza in the fridge that I'm going to be enjoying later, which is always a good thing. And uh, <laughs> the sun is shining. And I'm staring at a Telecaster, so, you know, it can't be all that bad. 
Oh, a Telecaster. Okay. Yes. What kind of Telecaster are you staring at? Uh, generally, because it's kind of its assumed position in the shred shed, unless I'm playing it, it is my 1974 Tele Custom. So it's a, <laughs> the black, the black on black, some mm. black guitar, mm. black mm. guard. Yeah. The one that Instagram goes crazy for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've only ever had one telly in my life. Um, and um, and it's this weird custom shop one. And um, and I love it. Um, my uh, Strat needed to be uh, intonated and the neck needed to just be reworked. So I stopped using my Strat to do demos because I sent it off to have um, someone take care of it. And I started using the Telecaster and it was just bright and chiming and for... Um, guitar effects it actually shined through in such such a lovely way um that i've been i would say respectfully like the last maybe the last eight 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 demos i've done have all kind of just been with that um telecaster so it's um i got it in i got it in a trade and it it looked cool um and now I have a, a greater appreciation for it. Um, so yeah, I yeah. love that thing. Tellies are tellies are a lot of fun. They're I didn't understand as a younger guy. Like, what's the big deal? Why does everybody love Telecaster so much? Then I played a couple, and I understood. I understood what Leo was going for. They're just <laughs> a straight-ahead tool, and they work fantastically. But uh, yeah, what are you up to? What do you got cooking today? Well, <clears throat> uh, I just finished um, a video for Premiere Guitar. They've asked me to kind of do some of their um, first look videos. And, um, you know, I finished it last night and sent it off. We'll see if they if they like it. Um, they have a pretty basic kind of uh, format for the way that they like their videos to kind of be done. And, um, it wasn't, uh, it was a challenge for me to, to do anything like just simple, like camera in front of you and this, this and that. Um, <clears throat> and it was a, it's the whole thing is really an interesting experience because when they came to me to do this, um, this first look video for the, for their gear, they weren't coming to me as, you know, um, Devon Blue, the guy who does demos with blue gloves, they were coming to me from like um, Devon Blue of like, you know, Boy Indigo, you know, my band. They, you know, they wanted, they wanted something that actually showed me the person playing gear, which was um, a little unnerving and uh, unsettling for myself. It's a, it's a weird thing. Um, seeing yourself on camera, especially since like, I mean, for the past, what, two years, year and a half, something like that of doing demos, I haven't been on the camera, like just, just my hands ending, ending gloves. So um, this is probably the third time I've shot myself on, on camera. And uh, it's, it's, it's extremely weird. So <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And uh 
and uh, so hopefully hopefully they like it and hopefully they kind of um like my format of it and the way I do things ultimately it is for a completely different um market and demographic so it's it's a little bit um it's it's not something that I'm I'm altogether used to doing but mm-hmm. it's it's those moments of uncomfortability that kind of like and vulnerability ultimately that kind of push us to you know being better artists and and better musicians you know so um you know i think that uh, you know the universe is constantly trying to groom us for those things that we want you know and uh i saw this as a uh, opportunity you know put myself you know out there in a way you know and uh, ultimately that's kind of the thing that you and i are kind of working on um now too so it's 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 interesting how all of these things kind of start falling in line yeah it's an interesting segue because i was going to say this is a a big way honestly to put yourself out there in in a departure from what you're used to so for me it took me i'm still not 100% like super cozy on camera um I I feel a little bit weird, like staring into the black eye of death. It feels like sometimes when you're <laughs> looking at it's the so lens. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. I have a little bit of like mini imposter syndrome every time I do it. I'm like, why would anybody want me to do this? <laughs> you know, like, why would anybody want to hear what I have to say about this? And it's like, well, some people care, I guess. So let's do it. But I totally get it. But different from me, you know, you're you're going from a little bit, I, th- I wouldn't say like, well, a little bit of a mystery man persona to more of a public facing thing. But with the premier guitar thing, you're kind of doing it in a a pretty big step forward. Like you're really going from zero to 60 because premier guitar, while it's not like, the Rolling Stone magazine or the biggest publication on earth, you know, they have thousands of people that are going to look at these things. And so it's a big, not to make you weirded out by it, but it's a big step forward for you. (laughs) I feel like. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about it, um, is, you know, there's not, there's not going to be many people that are going to chase, um, that persona down through the rabbit hole to find the uh the blue glove demo thing that i do um it's 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 an interesting thing because you know i when i launched my uh my band this year <clears throat> excuse me and this is the this is the first year i've ever 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 released any music of my own when i first launched that i really thought that the um the demographic that i had built or the the following that I built by by virtue of doing these gear demos, I thought, you know, a lot of them would kind of, you know, follow over to this other thing, and um, and it didn't. I mean, like the percentage of it was it was extremely small. It was something like um, it, it was about, probably around seven percent of the of the um, the gear audience that I had acquired, um, maybe even less followed over from Instagram and things like that and Facebook over to the things that I do as a, as a musician. And, um, 
even even still and I, and that's and that's fine a lot of people just love the uh the mystery and they love what i do over there and that that alone it satiates them so they don't they don't need to to hunt any anymore you know it's um it's like um if i really wanted to look more into you know who knobs was and all of the projects knobs was in it it would be relatively easy to do so um but i don't you know I, right yeah you know, so um yeah so while in a lot of ways it's 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 a, a big departure from what i've been doing you know the zero to 60 thing i don't necessarily see there being a lot of crossover i don't I, i'm it's not going to be something i'm going to be advertising much on my own instagram if anything i'll i'll, I'll put it on my um my band's instagram kind of linking that um but you know i'm um i'm going to be kind of specific about it letting them know that like hey whatever you link if you want to link to my socials just link it to my band and and not this other thing so right yeah yeah it's kind of uh it's kind of interesting i'm actually sitting here going like 7% that's actually pretty good you know <laughs> i usually <laughs> tell people like 1% is what I expect generally from going from platform to platform. It's very difficult to get people to hop to different things in my experience. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, no. And that's still true. Those numbers are actually accurate, but I'm measuring them from, I started a new Instagram account. So mm -hmm. getting people to go from one Instagram account to another Instagram account, like I think the the numbers in that are a little bit more higher. So 7%, I, it's probably... Is is about right? Maybe it's it's usually around like three percent, but seven percent um, kind of followed over. So I guess that is a good thing, but it's not necessarily platform uh, jumping as much as it was an opportunity for those who liked what I did to be able to see more of it and their on their timeline. So that's really quite literally what it was. So yeah. right, yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, uh, it's an interesting world trying to navigate these online spaces. I think people get like a false assumption that that people will see, you know, if they're following your account, it's like, oh, this person has this many thousand followers. And as soon as they post something, that many thousand people are going to see the new thing and run right over there. But what I always tell people is like, think about how you consume the media on your own timeline if somebody you really like posts something like a new song or something, if you're a super big fan of them, you might drop everything you're doing and go check it out immediately. Or you might just kind of note it in the back of your head and think about doing it later. And maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you most likely just keep scrolling on by like, you know, even if you really do appreciate whatever that person does, it's, it's kind of weird. I think people, I have this assumption that, you know, everyone who follows X, Y, and Z must just love X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I don't know, Kim Kardashian has millions and millions of followers. And I guarantee you, not all of them just love, 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 love Kim Kardashian. <laughs> you know, they're just <laughs> following to follow type of thing. Um, some of them do, don't get me wrong. But it's a, it's a smaller percentage than what I think people think. But right. anyway... The, the the problem with it, though, too, for, for artists right now, 
um, <clears throat> you know, and it's a problem that I'm struggling with as well um, as, as an artist. It's like right now we're relegated exclusively to these platforms, you know, in order to thrive as an artist because, because of COVID being what COVID is. It's like, how do you become an artist in this state of, of, of COVID and how do you, how do you thrive, you know, and these platforms are not necessarily um, institutions that are really made for smaller independent artists, like to thrive in a meaningful way, you know. Um, likewise, you know, say you've got a thousand followers on your on your Instagram, you know, or Facebook or wherever, you make a post, and that doesn't go out and is not seen by everybody you know it's not it's not a shared experience you know only the people who have probably you've kept some measure of correspondence with maybe they'll see it first and then others might see it a few days later if at all so it's it's an interesting thing because you you do the work and you know acquiring followers and things like that on these platforms only to you know never really have the full weight of, of that, of that benefit. You never really get to kind of experience that. So it's like the question now is, is as an artist, as a musician in these times, like how do you make it? You know? And I think that that's the question that you and I are, are, are asking. And I mean, we're looking for the answers um, for that and um, I, I think that there is a process in which we can leverage as artists to to still make a living, you know, by way of the internet. It's it's going to take a lot of work, and it's 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 a it's a it's going to take a lot. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of work. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's a that's a good point to kind of get to what we have been talking about. So we've been talking on the phone well, off and on for the whole year, but specifically yeah. in the last few weeks about this very thing. Like you expressed to me, like, you know, I like doing demos. That's fun. It helps pay the bills. And you like doing some of the commercial stuff that you've done helps pay the bills. And then, you know, working on other people's stuff, all the, all the things that you've talked about in your previous episodes on the podcast, I probably should have plugged that right up top. Like if you don't know who he is, Go back and listen to his first two episodes, or the first one episode specifically will give you a good overview. But uh, anyway, yeah, we kind of just jumped into things and didn't explain all that. But uh, uh, that's what <laughs> intros are for. I'll do an intro on it. Uh, <laughs> but, we, you know, I very much have held the belief for a long time that there are some parallels to gaining traction whether it's with a song or whether it's with a podcast or uh, any other kind of media that people are creating and in talking to a whole bunch of people on the show that have made careers in music and sometimes they did it in years prior and they've done it in various ways. I ask everybody, do you need, think you need the backing of a big label or the support of a a big label and the baggage that comes with these days. And literally I can't think of a single person that I've talked to that says yes, regardless of uh, how successful they've been with their musical career. They're all like, no, not anymore. 
you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's right. kind of funny to hear these people who are signed to big labels in some cases be like, ah, you, you don't really need it. Um, and so it's, I've long thought, I was like, well, this podcast, while it's, it's not the most downloaded podcast on the internet, there's a lot of people that do listen to it. And, you know, how did, how did I drive that? How did I push that boulder up the hill? And I just got to thinking about all those parallels and I'm like, well, there's no reason that a musical artist couldn't do a lot of the same stuff. You know, it's all content driven and there's different tactics and strategies to explore and test and see what people resonate with and what they don't. And you and I started talking, you were like, man, what I really want to do though, is just make music. I just want to make my own music and make my own videos and, and do that. And I was like, well, you know, you've got the, you've got all the secret sauce. You're really good at visual art. You're really good with words and poetry and all that stuff. And you're a great musician. Maybe we can work on this together. That was the thought process that I had. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, as some people have figured out, and that's, this is a part of what we're going to talk about here. I, f- I found a way to get a number that people can text and I, they, it goes right to me and I can reply back and forth to people and we can send pictures and links back and forth, just like you were texting with one-on-one with your friend. And I found a way that you can do that at scale. So I was able to get one of those numbers and I've been playing with it for the last week or so, texting back and forth with fans of the podcast about things and, and it's, it's turning out really cool, but it's that direct one-on-one, like everybody gets it and almost everybody replies and it's cutting out that middleman of social media. But at the same time, I was trying to think, what am I going to do on here besides the direct communication, like direct one-on-one conversations? What am I going to do differently than what, what I do in my Facebook group or what I do on Instagram or YouTube or any of these other places because you feel like you have to tailor the content to the method you're using to d- for delivery so that it's easier right. to consume. And that's when I hit up you. And I was like, what if we documented via that text, uh, that text number, the process that you and I are going to use to try to get more traction with boy indigo, more traction with your direct musical side of things. And uh, you were on board for it. And that's what I figured, Hey, let's do, let's do a podcast and talk about it. So yeah, that was, that's the genesis of, of everything that, that leads to this point right now. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think, um, I think a a thing that we should be kind of speaking to, and I, I mean, ultimately, you know, we'll document this and kind of send it out text for those people who are interested in it but um we should kind of be taking into account like what the biggest hurdle is and being a musician right now and that's a lot of people would think that it's covid and covid is kind of a handicap and in certain respects but in other certain in other respects it really isn't it's it's ultimately changing the it, the landscape of musicality and how people consume music now like i mean right now more and more people are at home consuming content you know 
And that's an opportunity for a lot of us creators, especially like um, musicians who have the capacity to write and record their own music and put their own music out there. You know, if you're one of those musicians who can do that, or you have access to it, you know, someone who you could, you've got a friend who's an engineer, you can go over his house and record. It's like now more than ever, you need to be getting, getting your stuff out there, but like, not just like, and, and, and you can't just, you can't just say, cause that's easy to say, like make some music and put it out there. You know, um, it's, there has to be a method by which you put it out there that makes sense, you know, because, you know, we've talked about this before, like social media and, 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 and Spotify and platforms like that and YouTube, they, they exist primarily for bigger artists. They, they're there for bigger artists. Spotify, like, in order to make minimum wage, which you would make a minimum, minimum wage job on Spotify, you'd have to have something like over 300,000 monthly streams, you know? So for a lot of us, you know, who are just starting and just putting music out there on, on Spotify, it's like that's, it's going to take time to get there, you know? But so you think like, okay, well, how do I get people to Spotify? Because you don't want to just make music, put it on Spotify and be like, there you go. Hope that the algorithm does its job. Um, because the one thing I can attest to is, is that of all of the listens that I, I get on there, and I had it upward of like 20,000 monthly listeners, which is huge for just someone out of the gate, just coming right into this thing, not having anything. But, um, And it's since dropped down because working on the everything else. But 1%, it was about 1% of the listeners uh, came from 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 Spotify's suggested pool, you know, like 1% of all of the listens that I've gotten for the entirety of this year came from Spotify recommending people to listen to this, you know, like, mm -hmm. because so that's not a big number at all. That's not a big number at all, you know, so you can't count on, you can't count on the algorithm these algorithms to actually do you do you a service so then you think in terms of like all right well maybe i can send people from my instagram or facebook to spotify to listen to my music to consume it that way well again this the, the method by which you do this is the proof that as an independent artist these practices do not serve you they only serve these entities you are only going to make facebook rich you're only going to make spotify rich doing this but here's the thing the, the crux of it is that like and i've tried this is you pay money for an advertisement on facebook and each time someone clicks on your link and you're sending them to spotify it costs a certain amount of money per click that depending on the audience that you're trying to market to, it, it can it can be a crazy amount. But let's round down just for the sake of argument and say that it costs one cent for one person to click on this link and go to Spotify. Now, if that person clicks on your link, you now pay Facebook one cent. 
Okay, fine. They're now at Spotify. And let's assume they like your song and they listen to the entirety of that song. You now make 0.03 cents from Spotify off of that transaction. And let's round up. It's like half of it's half of a cent. We'll round up again. We round up again and just say it's a half a cent. You just created, you know, a transaction where you've lost money. You have where where's the gain at in that? You've lost a half a cent. This costs you a half a cent every time. Well, and the reality is of it is is that it actually costs a whole lot more to send a person from Spotify. Like I mean, the average is you know eight cents all the way up and you're creating these paradoxes where it's like, how do you make money as an artist? You know, cause that's the thing. It's like, you know, we have to be real. Like, I mean, if it's just about like putting your R out there, just kind of getting it out there, then it doesn't really matter. You just put it out there and then you can go to sleep at night. But if you're an artist and you want to make a living off of your artist, how does it happen? And I mean, ultimately, that's kind of what you and I are kind of exploring. Like, how do we do this? But ultimately, the one thing that we do know, especially from this experiment here, is is that, especially with what you're doing with the with the whole text messaging thing, is is that you want to be the one to be in control of the connections you have with your audience. If you amass a large audience on Spotify, for example, say you get a thousand, a hundred thousand, a million followers on Spotify, you do all of the work. You do not have access to those people. You don't know. You you don't have access to them. You can't send them an email and say, Hey guys, we've got merchandise out. Hey guys, we're going to be touring in your area. You can't, do that. Spotify holds all the cards right now. So it's, and the more music you put up there for Spotify, that means Spotify now has an even larger pool to where they go to advertise. People who want companies that want to advertise, they can say, hey, yeah, we've got like uh, 756 billion songs on our platform. So, you know, and we've got these many people listening. So all you're doing is helping them, you know? So, Right now, it's kind of a necessary evil. And I mean, we're trying to right now kind of explore methods um, in which to kind of like, you know, usurp more of that control. And ultimately, it's going to come from doing things where, you know, we either kind of create communities within ourselves of, as artists and, and help each other, you know, or you do something like um, Taylor Swift, you know. Taylor Swift has done something that's extremely uh, interesting and it's not something that's unique with regard to uh, Taylor Swift, but like she's um, when her music comes out, it doesn't go to Spotify or iTunes or the Apple store or wherever it goes. It doesn't go there first. It does not. It goes to her website, to her followers, and it is there for a, for a while and then it'll filter through to these other places. So, Creating like these kind of connections or with your audience, one-to-one connection where you can quite literally say, yeah, I sent that text message to, to Joe. <laughs> I sent that email to Joe and he replied. I see he replied kind of thing. You know, I, I see that I sent it to him and he opened it. You know, <clears throat> it's things like that that we need as artists. And um, 
you know, Bandcamp seems like it's a it's it's an interesting tool to kind of leverage. So like that's something that I think that I'm going to be looking into. The only problem with Bandcamp is that um, a lot of people who aren't musicians don't necessarily go to Bandcamp. They don't think initially like, oh, Bandcamp, I'm going to go to Bandcamp. And, you know, when you look up institutions like Chartmetric, Chartmetric is um, something, a tool that you use to see um, where your plays are coming from, what's happening with your stats, your overall stats, your popularity ranking amongst like social medias and and things like that. Um that doesn't it doesn't even show up on there and the industry at large uses tools like chart metric to kind of see where you're at to see if like they're interested in making any investment in, into you or if they want you to be on a tour with their big artists chartmetric.com and i think you can you can create a free account to kind of look into that so that's something too for people um but yeah like um bandcamp isn't really even a blip on there so yeah it's a tiny tiny platform it's a great platform and if you read up on it it's a really interesting company Uh, and they they're they're growing they're growing a lot but they're they're not a big venture backed thing you know or i mean they might have had some investment up front i don't remember the whole story but it's not anything like spotify or amazon music or any of these other places which is really a it's I know, I know. But it's it's encouraging to see its growth, but I think excuse me, I think it's largely always going to be a smaller piece of the pie. What is great about it is it is a place for people who understand the dynamics of the music industry, like the really hardcore music fans are all well, and you've experienced this, I'm sure too. People ask you is your music on Bandcamp? Not because it's like the smoothest platform to use or like, you know, some of it's a little bit clunky even. Um, I'm sure it'll get better over time, but it's not as like smooth. The UI isn't really nice. Like Spotify's is, you know, it's not, it's not the most user friendly platform on, on the planet, but they ask you that because they know that when they stream or they buy anything over there, a much larger percentage of it, would go to you. And those are the type of fans you want. The ones that are going to go out of their way to make it better for you, you know? Um, Cause it's for them. The stream is a a stream is a stream. It doesn't matter where it comes from largely. Mm -hmm. And if you can do it through there, then great. I mean, it's part of the reason, and I know it's a tiny fraction of a difference, but when I never did pay for Spotify, when Apple music came out, I still didn't really understand the whole streaming thing when I first signed up for it, but I stuck with Apple music because it's basically the same for me. And I, I knew that it paid a tiny fraction of a cent better (laughs) than, than Spotify did. So I was like, well, it's kind of the same. So that's what I'm going to use, you know? Uh, And I know titles even a little bit better. Um, so, but Bandcamp's the best. Bandcamp's the best by far, as far yeah. as streaming services go. Oh yeah, I mean the only thing though with the Bandcamp, I mean it would be nice if there was, 
if there was a way for people who purchased music there on Bandcamp for it to instantly go into like their iTunes, you know, their iTunes, like their, their music there or right. wherever, however they listen to music on their, on their phones, there's, you know, if there was a way for it to just instantly be routed there and do that very specific thing, that would actually kind of cut down on it. You know, you would see far more people like, oh, I want to find more indie artists and go on there and, and that would be, that'd be that. But so far, you know, that's the case. Um, I was working with somebody who was helping me with marketing and um, I was like, yeah, maybe I should just start sending people to uh, Bandcamp. And he was like, can but Bandcamp's not really like Bandcamp is great for musicians who want to support other musicians you know mm-hmm. and he's like but the average consumer they don't even know what that is and um and that can change you know that that definitely can change um especially if all musicians kind of band together and they say, Hey, yeah, I'm not going to put my music on Spotify or I'm not going to put my music on iTunes. My music is only going to be here. You know, if we all did something along those lines, then, you know, Hey, fantastic. But, um, yeah, I don't necessarily see that happening anytime soon, just to be real, you know? No, I don't. I think, I think a better method is to just be everywhere, you know? Including YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. I I think I think that's actually the the real move is just to diversify. Because the fact of the matter is, there's people, and I know this from the podcast. Like there are people that only listen to specific things in specific places. And what's been so interesting in doing sort of off social media communication experiments, like with this text messaging service, and I've always had the newsletter, you know, when we did these giveaways recently for the fires and whatnot, as it got closer, I realized I was like, Oh, I hadn't sent a newsletter out on this yet. So I better do that. And so many people replied to that. Like, Oh, thank you. I've ditched social media this year. So I didn't see any of this stuff. Like not a small number of people, maybe like 25 or 30 people replied mm-hmm. to it with that response. Like, Oh, I, I ditched Facebook and Instagram this year. It was just too much for me. So it's nice. But I listen to the podcast, you know, every week for instance. So they listen to the podcast, but they don't follow me anywhere else. And they might really enjoy the podcast, but that direct communication and emails even getting a little sticky with that anymore, which we can talk about, but that is becoming increasingly important. I don't see anybody ditching social media in mass anytime soon. I don't think that's probably ever going to happen, but it is important to note. There are a lot of people that aren't on social media. Sometimes it can feel like the whole world, but there are millions of people who they might look at Facebook once a week. If they have it, you know, they might look at Instagram, uh, you know, once a day, maybe, like we tend to think as people who live in a digital world that, and especially me who does digital marketing and stuff, it was like, everybody's on these things. And it's like, uh, not necessarily. It's actually, my 80%. dad's never, my dad's never in this thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the actual number is like 80% of the world are on social media, specifically mm-hmm. Facebook. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it like this, like to your point, you know, 20% 
aren't. And like, that's, that's, a, that's a, that's a lot of people, you know, and those people are less distracted. They you know, really they, are. <laughs> so they get an email that means something like oh i got i have to investigate this email or a text message you know like mm-hmm. really you know so i think the for the people who are listening um to this particular podcast i think the the things that i would say like the kind of takeaways from all of this is um the first thing is, is kind of try to create a system in which you have access to your followers or your subscribers to where you can have, you know, that one-to-one connection. And I mean, right now, that's part of what you and I are going to be exploring ways of doing that. Um, but the other thing though, too, is, is, and this is one that we have that you and I talked about last time we had a phone call is collaborations. So if yes. you are going to be trying to, um, if you, I mean, cause we still have to have Spotify, we still have to have iTunes, but the best way to hack those algorithms is to collaborate with other artists, you know, and find, find an artist who has just, you know, just, who's within your genre or someone and they don't have to have like the greatest Spotify numbers, you know, or the greatest like, um, following on Instagram. It's nice if they do, it's, it's better if they do, you know, the, the degree of success increases based upon that, but still collaborate with them because there's a few things that actually end up happening. The first is you come out with a song with another artist they're going to help push it on their social media platforms, which means that now you have access to their followership. That's, that's something that, that helps significantly just from doing a song with them. But now <clears throat> the other thing that happens with Spotify is Spotify. And this is part of the reason why my numbers shot up so high um, was because I was collaborating and still collaborate with another artist whose numbers at the time was better than mine. Uh, my numbers have since kind of like passed, passed a little bit. But what happens with Spotify when you have a collaborative track, you can release the track on both your platform and they can then release it as well on their platform as well. So any plays or promotions that you put on, on, on your side of it, they're going to, they're going to reap the benefit of and then vice versa. If they're doing something over there, like they're just, putting this thing on blast and letting people know, or if they throw a few bucks to boost a post, whatever, whatever happens there, it happens for both of you. But the biggest thing is, is from there on, you're linked with that artist in terms of the algorithm. So anytime that artist puts out an album, a song or a single, then Spotify sends an email out to their fan base, the people who follow their page and says, Hey, so-and-so has a, has a, has a new song out. And then if you go down to the bottom of the email, it says suggested artists, artists you might also like, and you will be there every time. So it's, uh, those are kind of ways to kind of like 
you know, kind of increase your numbers on, on Spotify, if that's something that you're really interested in. I mean, ultimately, the main thing that you're looking for in terms of a collaborator is, yeah, sure, if they've got decent socials or if their numbers on Spotify are great, but the most important thing that you want to be looking for is someone who you know is going to be consistently putting m- music out. Like in another few months, they got another song coming out or something like that, because that ends up helping your numbers too. like the more they work, the harder they work on their own things means that every time that again, they put something out, you're going to be at the bottom of that email that Spotify sends out whenever they push something and then vice versa. So as artists, we really have to kind of pull our resources. We really have to work together. This isn't one of those things. I think there's this kind of interesting high school mentality to the whole thing. And it's that everyone believes that they're in it for themselves. But realistically, like we are in this together. I mean, right now we're the music scene and the art scene, we are being done a huge disservice in spite of what's happening with COVID. I mean, you look at all of the artists and musicians who are now unemployed and, and things of that nature, and you're starting to see that like these institutions, these government bailouts and things like that, that they're doing, they're not talking about what's happening definitively with the arts. Like how are we going to help these guys? You know, it's, it's, it's usually just some, something that they kind of do. And while bigger artists, huge artists, um, aren't necessarily feeling, you know, the the harshness of this environment to the degree that we are. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Therein lies the proof. Like, this the fact that collaborating with another artist is a thing that can kind of help you out. Um, so that's 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 the takeaway number two. And then the third takeaway that I would say that people should implore or a tactic that they should put into their, into what they're doing for their, for the artists who want to succeed at this consistency. You have to kind of be able to say that, like, you know, especially in the year 2021, you have to be able to say like, at the very least, very bare minimum, you have to be able to say, I'm going to release a song a month. Every month I'm going to release a song. And, um, you have to make sure that, like you said, Blake, it's like, got to get it everywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. it's gotta be, it's gotta be everywhere. So it's, uh, and it, it takes that level of commitment because, you know, it's, you know, dreams without goals will always just be dreams and they'll always leave you high and dry. But you have to have like realistic goals in order to 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 achieve this thing that you love. Because for most of us, like especially like gear enthusiasts and things like that, like it's not just necessarily about the gear. The gear itself helps us to kind of amplify this thing that we have in us, you know, this creative spirit within us, this thing that we want to do, right? And it's just um we have to kind of just push you know every day every day every day every day who was it it was uh, thomas edison who conducted like a thousand failed experiments you know and why because at the thousandth and one experiment was the light bulb and it kind of takes that level of determination you know to to 
to, to succeed in this. I say it's like the two A's, you know, it's authenticity. So the ability to be uniquely yourself and attrition, you know, like never giving up, just keep going, keep going. And I think that if, um, if we as artists can kind of embody that, then I think we can succeed. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, this stuff you're saying, this is why I wanted to get with you on this and, you know, work on this together is because, um, there's so much similarity, you know, the, the, the medium is different. Like, you know, podcasting is a conversation and you try to keep it interesting and you do your best to make it something that's fun to listen to for everybody. It's not the <laughs> same craft as, as making a song, but the way it's consumed is identical. <laughs> basically it's pretty much exactly the same the pr platforms yeah. operate exactly the same way the places you would put this podcast are the same places i would put a song the advertising tools in which you would implore to to get this out there are the exact same ones i would do and like you know you've been successful in doing the tone mob thing like i mean you've become you've embedded yourself as like your part you're, you're an institution you know so and it's like how did you do that? And can you do that with music as well? And you're saying, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, I do. I, I've wanted to do this for a while and it's going to, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be things that don't work and things that, that kind of worked and maybe occasionally a home run. But one thing that I've learned time and time again, and another thing that there's another parallel too, is I've, I've helped, <clears throat> excuse me, brands do this. That's another thing, like equipment brands. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, the end goal is a little different there. The end goal is actually a bigger ask. The end goal is you want somebody to purchase your item, which is, that's harder in a lot of ways than getting, and, and easier in some regards, but that's getting into the weeds a little bit. But then getting somebody to, you know, enjoy a piece of art or enjoy a piece of media. Mm -hmm. So I just think I was just like, okay, we've kind of, I've been able to help people do this in multiple different formats, but never a musical artist. And I feel like this is our opportunity to give it a try. And the texting thing to go back to that, I, that's a big part of why I got that number. So the first people that have signed up for this are folks who, I told them like, listen, this is an experiment. I don't really know what kind of content I'm going to put on here specifically in the, excuse me, in the back of my mind, I knew we were going to be documenting this process. And I told a few of those people that, um, that's kind of part of what this podcast is, is, is announcing that we're kind of working together. And this is a place you can go follow this, this project it, for lack of a better term. Um, but I told them, I'm like, this is going to be an experimental platform. Like, I might send you pictures of sandwiches. I might send you a, <laughs> a comic book that I'm working on. Like, it's the place for, like, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. But, like, I got, I've just gotten so many requests over the years via email and direct message. And, I'm you know, I'm on all the platforms. So, wherever they, they message me at. And it's people like, hey, I would like to know more. You on the podcast, you mentioned you were really into to comic books, or you're really into aliens, or you're really into, you know, business stuff, or you're really into marketing stuff. I'd like to know more about that. I'd like to, you know, get some more of that content. And 
the audiences that I've that I've built, it's not really for anything but guitar stuff or music stuff. If you know, if we're branching out a little bit, I mean, the pizza thing's gotten thrown in there as well, and that everybody lives loves pizza. That's kind of cheating. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, if I'm, you know, I've talked about cooking and barbecue and all this other stuff, just kind of in passing. And, and so many people are like, wait, I want to know more about that. What are you, what are you talking about when you're saying you let, you know, the pork roast go for X amount of time. And you, you know, I'm like, Oh, I don't think that most people who listen to the show want to hear about that all the time. Um, right. so the, the text platform, I was like, let's, Let's use this as the random platform. Let's use this as the place where I can show a little more personal stuff and, you know, share some businessy stuff. And then that's when I thought of you. And it was like, and maybe that can be the place where we document the processes that we are going to attempt. So some of the things we, you and I have talked about doing is, is doing an occasional podcast over there that just goes out to those people that right. you have to be. You know, you get the link to the MP3 and you go check it out when you have time and we'll be discussing the things that we're trying or the things that we've we've seen this week or trends that are that are going on. You know, we're going to try a lot of different weird stuff. And we're going to try <laughs> things that I don't think anybody else. Honestly, like I don't think anybody else has tried some of the stuff that we're thinking of trying and it'll be a worthwhile experiment, even if maybe they listen to your music and they're like, oh, I'm more of a metal guy. You know, it might still be worth it to follow along and see what we're up to. You know, um, right. I really like your music. That's that's was, you know, we've we've talked about metrics and tactics and you know consistency and all this stuff. That's all very very important. But we've discussed all that, assuming that the listener understands that the music and the stuff that you're producing has to be good, like. None of this will matter if you just shotgun something out there that's phoned in. You do have to do your best to create the best thing that you possibly can. We're just assuming you've already done that. <laughs> you know? Um, right. But then also, the too, you know, know, to be fair, like, what is good is subjective. You know? Like, it's true. If, if you're happy with it, you know, if you're happy with it, I believe wholeheartedly that there is an audience out there for you, you know? And I think <clears throat> the problem that we get as artists is we're constantly comparing ourselves to the artists that we revere, that we, that we love and we see their success story. And we believe that like we should, our should mirror that. And when it doesn't, and we don't reach the same level of acclaim or acceptance that they, that these other artists do. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's enough to kind of make us kind of give, give up on this, you know? I mean, artists in large, by and large are pretty sensitive people. And I mean, you kind of have to be, um, when, I mean, when we think about it is like, you know, you create something from nothing, from nothing. You know, like that doesn't, you have to have a level of sensitivity in order to be able to acquiesce to that, you know? So it's, uh, 
it hurts when you put things out there and no one recognizes it. It hurts when you, you've labored months and months and agonized over, over the exact tone that you want for this. And then, and then you write this song and you put it out and like it gets like 14 listens, you know, like these things hurt. So, but it's, we have to realize that like, our measure of success isn't going to be the same as like those, those, the, the big, the, the guys who have huge followings, you know? And, um, yeah, you only got 14 people to listen to that, but that's 14 people. And it's like, you have to be able to, we want to create a system where you fought, be able to follow up with those 14 people and be like, Hey man, did you like this? Did you, did you love this? What was the cool? All right. Well, I've got something else for you. And that's the other thing. Like, I mean, that's the other takeaway is, is that like, you want to be able to, you know, treat your fan base like you, like you would treat your friends like your family because these are people who are going to support your artistic endeavors and if right out of the gates it's only 14 people i mean you come out with an album 10 bucks like i mean like you know you just you just made 140 bucks so it's it's it 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 takes knowing things uh like that so you know just gotta keep on with it it's also it's easy to get hung up on these on these numbers without actually really thinking about what it means and and I I've thought about this quite a bit in regards to like the podcast downloads and and whatnot where it's like you know you look at certain pieces of content I mean just the other day I was talking about this with a friend where you know as much as social media is challenging to navigate the fact that I can so I was, I found myself complaining and I realized how ridiculous it was after I said it. I made a stupid little video of me noodling on the keyboard the other night. Just, I was just like, eh, I haven't played this thing in a while. Let's just set up the camera real quick and I'm just going to fiddle around here for a few minutes. And then I put a dumb filter on it and, and I shot it out to Instagram at like 1030 at night or something. And then I was like, Oh, this is weird. This thing only got like 800 and something views when my last video that was of a similar quality did like 5,000. And I was like, you complaining because 800 and whatever people saw this clip that you didn't really put that much effort into. You just kind of put it out on a whim because you were feeling, feeling bored. 800 and whatever people. I think it's 838 last time I looked. That's a lot of... At what other time in history could you do a random little noodle and get 800 plus people to give it more than a passing thought? Like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about when we say you like, it's like, oh, it got 14 downloads or it got 100 downloads. It's like, we dream of playing in clubs sometimes that have 100 people in it. Like, oh, it's a, only like a 200 cap room, but I did sell it out. It's like, You'd be ecstatic if you were playing a sold out 200 cap room at, you know, at certain points in your career. Exactly. Like, and then you would be <laughs> satiated and playing in front of 14 people in most instances. So it's kind of like, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, and the journey is always different for, for all of us. Like, I mean, I've, I've labored over, you know, certain videos that I've, put out and uh only got 200 views and it took me four or five days to do that so hearing on the opposite end hearing you be like yeah i put a 
camera up over this keyboard and play. I got 800 views. And I'm like, on the outside looking in, I'm like, yeah, man, that's, yeah, that's 800. Like I've, I put videos out where I've spent five days working on this video and it got like 200 views. And it's like, (laughs) you know, it it helps the, these instances kind of put things in, into uh, perspective for, for a lot of us. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 something we need to talk about. Like that, I mean, I'm thinking back to myself six, seven years ago. If I would have thought that one person would be interested in a piece of content that I produced, if that one person really actually cared and really actually enjoyed it, I would have been over the moon. And I think we sometimes get wrapped up in. And I think part of it is because of what you were talking about earlier, needing a certain amount to even make minimum wage, which is you need a ton of of Spotify plays to even make minimum wage. And so we kind of view that through this lens of like, oh, well, that's the bare minimum. So we're not even close to that. But if you actually frame it as those are not downloads, those are not streams, those are not views. Those are people. Those are people. Then it starts to take on a different flavor. It's like, oh, it also becomes a little bit weightier. And once I kind of worked through that process in my head, I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't just like randomly put up noodly things. Maybe I need to put a little more (laughs) juice into this stuff if that many people are going to view it. It's kind of flipping that script on its head and appreciating what we can do now because and if COVID would have hit in the nineties, we'd all be way worse off than we have been in this digital age. That's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Now at least there are opportunities and outlets for us to kind of, to, to kind of, you know, push through or push our stuff out to. So I mean, that's very much a thing. And, dude, that's an excellent point. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, if COVID hit in the 90s, where would we really be? Man. Whew. We wouldn't be able to do this. Certainly. And no, nobody would listen to this. Like, I mean, I, I actually talked to Joel from Chase Bliss about this right when the lockdowns were first happening this year. I was like, you know, this all sucks. This is not good. Nobody's happy about it. But there's never been a better time in history for this to happen if we have to be stuck in one place. At least we have unlimited amounts of content available, unlimited amount of digital connectivity to be able to do things like this or just even call and FaceTime and Zoom meeting and whatever. There's never been a better time in history for this to have happened. So we're actually lucky in a weird way that it happened now we are and And for certain artists this is presenting an interesting opportunity too i mean and that's the biggest thing like we've talked about like how the 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 landscape of what it is to the music business the landscape is changing so much like it's creating like huge cracks in the infrastructures of these things and 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 there lies an opportunity for any one of us indie artists to kind of break through these cracks and to really kind of solidify this thing that we're we're trying to do because now the 
the labels and things like that and the powers that be ultimately don't have a great handle on what's happening. They, they don't have control over everything, you know? So if everyone's at home and is consuming content and you have a, <laughs> you have a cell phone with a camera or, and you have the ability to make your own music, you are now being given an opportunity that you would have never received ever in history to do something in a meaningful way, you know? So this, I, the whole COVID thing, it's, it's unfortunate in a lot of respects and, uh, you know, a lot. It's harming families. It's taking lives. It's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And I, and I don't want to dismiss that, but also too for entrepreneurs and for specifically musicians, like this is an opportunity for you to actually do something. And I mean, not, not, there's other reasons why artists need to kind of create. And I think I've said this on, um, I was on the, um, get offset offset podcast. And I talked about very wonderful, awesome people, um, that more now than ever musicians have to create because when we look back at like the historic references of like the civil rights movements and, and things of that nature, the history books that have come out since then have changed a thousand times over. And the, the truth of what actually happened in those instances are, have been watered down so much in the history books. But the one thing that stays the same from then to now are the songs that were created, the songs that outline the struggles, the song from that era. In fact, we sing them, you know, we sing them and hum along with them. The art that was painted that reflect that time still hanging on museum walls and is protected and will forever be protected. So there's a greater responsibility now more than ever to be an artist, you know, like because who knows what the history books will kind of like tell what's version of this story they will spin in the years to come. But I promise you the one thing that will stand the test of time is your art. And that's, that's, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the business aspect of like, you know, doing this and being an entrepreneur and getting your music out there. But then also too, there's a, there's the other factor and there's the responsibility of being an artist because not everyone can be an artist. You know, we're in this whole fraternity of musicians and we all, it's so commonplace for us, you know, oh yeah, that guy plays guitar, that guy plays bass, he sings, whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. But like to the rest of the world, like by and large, we are a minority amongst them and we have the responsibility of creating and just Letting people know that, like, you know, it, it's that saying, you know, like when you go into certain places and it says, you know, Jim was here and it's like written on a wall somewhere, you know, or it's been like, you know, etched into a tree. Like, that's what you were doing. You create a ripple in time, you know, that will reverberate far beyond like your lineage. And in that, you're creating immortality. So it's super important. And those things that you create, they impact how others feel and think about them. Like, Even if it's if only it's 14, 14 people. If it's 14 people, if it's one. You know what I mean? It means something. And so don't give up. That's that consistency part. We're going to talk a lot about the business stuff in in 
later podcasts that come out for those that uh, text the number, which I guess I should give them since we keep talking about it and we haven't done it. Give them the number yet. Let's give them the number real quick right here on the podcast. And I'm going to do it on the uh, intro and outro too. So don't throw your car off the road to try to write this down. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be out there. It'll be in the show notes too. So 503-751-8577. That's 503-751-8577. And if you're listening to this outside of the U.S., the country code is one. So yeah, that's the number. And you text that and that literally comes directly to my phone. Uh, some people have expressed concern in the in the text uh, app that that I was giving out my personal cell phone number, and I am not giving out my personal <laughs> cell phone number. That is a different phone number, but this does effectively come right to my phone. So uh, you can't call me. You'll get a voicemail <laughs> instructing you to text me if you call that number. But uh, you can, can text they order me. Order pizza though, or. They and might be able to, depending on how close they live to me. I would not be against delivering a listener a pizza. <laughs> I've bought listeners a pizza across the country before, which was actually a lot of fun. I'm going to have to do that again sometime. But yeah, it's uh, that's the phone number. If you text that, it'll come right to me. If you text the keyword INDIGO, all caps, INDIGO, you're going to get specifically things only related to what we're doing with the Boy Indigo Project. If you just text that number in general, you're going to get all the random stuff, which is not that much. It's not like I'm going to be blowing you up every single day with with text messages, unless you want me to. <laughs> so <laughs> if you want me to, all you got to do is text that number a bunch of times, and I'll be like, yeah, what's up? I will reply. At this point in, uh, in this experiment's life cycle, I there's a there's a there's a lot of people already signed up, but it's not so many that I can't reply to every message. So as of right now, I'm replying to every single thing and I will as long as that's physically possible. Can we ask and and I know that you're the one governing this and I I don't want to like put any more undue work on you, but can we ask the people who the listeners who will kind of be following along with this, like if they're, if you're out there and you've got some practices or tricks and tips that you've actually implored that's, that's helped you out um, in this whole music journey, um, like, you know, r- respond with, with those as well, you know, those stories and those instances, because like, you know, the, the reason why we're doing this and the reason why we're making this available for people is, is that like, we want you to succeed in in your music and the only way it's going to happen is if we kind of stand together as kind of a community and help each other out you know like i mean i don't i don't get anything for doing this it's not you know but um i think that um we can succeed if we if we come together and help each other this is not there's this is not a race this is not a competition i promise you that these practices just helps you to find your audience and your audience alone. And then it, it, that's what we're after. Find your tribe, you know, and how to keep them. Yep. Find your people and treat them good and they'll treat you good. That's really what it comes down Mm -hmm. to. So anyway, that's where you get a hold of us. 
Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap this thing up? This was a very excellent conversation, but they always are. They always are. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Um, no, I think, I think we've pretty much like, uh, covered, covered all of it. You know, I think what we'll do in the next, the next podcast thing that we do similar for this is we'll go over some, I think we'll go over some numbers. And then maybe if you guys have any questions for us, you know, text those questions in and we would, I would love to kind of you know, have a connection with you guys and like, you know, answer those questions that you guys might have, no matter how silly they are. Um, just kind of, let's just kind of create this community and like, let's like, let it thrive. Yeah, absolutely, man. That'll be, that'll be a very interesting experiment. I think, I think it's going to work. I just don't know exactly what the format will be that we end up landing on, but it's going to be fun. I'm, a, I'm looking forward to doing these regular podcast updates. And again, everyone that's listening to this on the main feed, we're not going to put out all of these episodes on the tone mob RSS feed. This is going to be just for the people who text that number. And uh, that's how we're going to do it. Cause we, we know a lot of you that listen, they just want to hear about the history of people's effects pedals, companies and guitar stuff. Like I get it. That's why most of you are here, but I just wanted to give everybody the opportunity to hear what we were up to and, you know, come take part in it. If it sounds like it might be something interesting to you. So I think that's probably good for today. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap this thing up. What do you say? I'm good. All right. For everybody. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. For everybody, for Devon, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you want to follow along closely with this project and get all kinds of random stuff, you can text me at 503-751-8577. So, yeah, that's the place. And it'll be in the show notes If you need to just copy and paste that over, it'll be nice and easy for you. Please go check out Boy Indigo wherever you stream your music. Give it a listen. See what it's about. See if it's for you. And at the very least, tell a friend about this podcast. That would be massively helpful. And if you need even more content, if there's just not enough content out here for you and you need more, you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob where for five bucks a month, I am putting out extra episodes every week, and they're generally extended versions of these conversations. This week, I talked to Michael and Dan from Reverb about the pedal movie on the main part of the episode, and we go into more details on Patreon. So if you want to hear extra content every week and help support the show, that is the place to do it. Another thing you can do, if you just don't want to do that, and I totally get it because times are weird, but you're going to be buying gear. Definitely purchase things from ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater or ToneMob.com slash Reverb. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and a small portion of those purchases come back and help keep this show going. So if you're going to be buying gear, and let's face it, you're probably going to be buying gear because you're listening to a gear show, that is an easy way to help support the show. But like I said earlier, the free way to support the show is to tell people about it. The more people that know about this, the better. It literally is the only thing keeping the lights on around here. The fact that people know and listen to this show. So thank you so much for getting this deep. And I hope you enjoyed this kind of off-topic 
episode. And yeah, I'll talk to you next time. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.